dig it! In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Oh, he has trouble with the snap! to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. And a happy new year. Welcome to 2023. T.C. Martin here live with a special New Year's Day edition. It's technically New Year's Day. It's the it Monday. Is. It's the holiday. There it is. And, of course, we got bowl games galore. Rose Bowl getting ready to kick off. Monday night football. We've got a lot to get to today. And we are live at the world-famous Superbook. We're... We are normally out on Fridays, but of course, special occasions, and definitely today is a special day, a special occasion, as we kick in the new year right here at the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. T.C. Martin, and joined today by the quarterback, Jay Schrader, in the house. What is up, my friend? Welcome, welcome, and happy Happy, new year to you. Happy new year. Right back at you. All right. And then Marco D'Angelo, also in the house. I'm not sure how happy a new year it was for Marco. I'm not sure how the, the new year ended for him, yeah. especially with our with our food bets and everything else that's gone on. But uh, Marco, how's your 2023 been going? Well, 2022 ended in a good note uh, with that Ohio State win uh, there. But uh, 2023, uh, all I can say to you is I texted you, TC. My exact text was... You're lucky that we weren't broadcasting live right now because we probably would have been shut down, or at least I would have been hauled off uh, at the end of the Illinois-Mississippi State game. So do we dare paint the picture and, and, and hear your nightmare stories? You know, you, everybody has bad beat stories, you know. It, uh, we got to hear it. We and, gotta and hear here's it. the thing. I'm going to say this in advance because this is what I really appreciate about this man, Marco D'Angelo, because <laughs> he comes on the show mm-hmm. and in, in a lot of respected handicappers do not want to talk about their losses or bad beats, whether they're bad beats or not. Right. And he always says, hey, this is what I did last weekend. And, this, and I think kudos to you. And, and that's why right. you are as well respected uh, in this industry as they come. Uh, but with all that being said, I still can't figure out why he's playing the Houston Texans last weekend. But that's another story for Jay <laughs> I I I'm glad he picked the Texans. I do appreciate it. So that's more more food. Bad. But um, before we get to Marco's story, I, we got to thank him for the dinner on Friday night because it was, it, it was it outstanding. Was, it was outstanding. Uh, you know, again, a, a man of his word. You he know, did. and uh, took care he of us. Started uh, the weekend off on a great note. It was, it was a great was, note. It was. it was a great note. We had we had great food, great uh, good time, good conversation, good ambience, and then uh, then we had some good uh, eye candy after that uh, <laughs> yes. as well too. But uh, thank you very much for for a great dinner on Friday night. I'm going to need more margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, considering that, you know what. If you would like to go back there, I'm not going to turn down Mexican food okay. and margaritas. We're good. Well, so I'll, you tell me when you can make it. You know, Fridays are always good. Uh, but back to yeah. Illinois. So let's, Illinois. Set, let's, set, let's set the stage here. This is uh, the game this morning, Mississippi State in Illinois. And I know a lot of people were on Mississippi State because of the Mike Leach factor. Yeah. The team was going to play hard. And I'm sure you handicapped this because, you know, Illinois is a solid defensive team. And so Marco is getting three and a half with the Illini, right? Yep. So you could take it from there. I they're winning 10-7. They finally or 10-3 actually finally gets the score tied at 
They're driving down Mississippi State for the game-winning field goal. Four seconds left. They kick the field goal. Okay, three. That's fine. Three and a half. Everybody's happy. But there's one play left. One play left. You You know you've got to dodge the laterals. But they complete the ball downfield. They're across midfield. That's okay because anybody that does recover the ball for Mississippi State is going to fall over. Right. But after several laterals, the ball hits the ground and bounces right into a Mississippi State defender who is running in full stride. He's like a big lineman, too. He never stopped running. I think he's still running. Okay. (laughs) Right to the house. Nine-point final. And uh, like I said, you know, if we were doing it live, it's a distraction enough when we do games live <laughs> yeah. with all the TVs all going, going on, on and everything. Yeah. And I'm a professional in that. But when you with that, I there would have been some f bombs. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> not only that, but I've got to give kudos to you because you recovered enough to to come here, right? I yeah. mean, yeah. how long did it take you to actually take a, a normal breath after that? I know my dog hid for a good twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he was under the bed. Uh, he, that, he, he's been there before. He's heard it, you know, but he knows he gets treats afterwards. So he came back out. Everything's okay. Here's the thing about this play, though. I did not see it live. Okay. And then he texted me while I was uh, yeah. coming to the Westgate. I go, oh, my God. It's, it's always our fear when we're betting to get the, uh, you know, the, right. I'll, I'll, I'll steal the Scott Van Pelt line, the pitchy, pitchy, woo-woo. <laughs> I hate the pitchy, pitchy, woo-woo. Right. And, it, it, and, I, and I've been burned by this just like you have. It's just, it's horrendous. It's garbage. It's ridiculous. And... So works, works uh, once in a hundred. Yeah, yeah. If that, yeah, if right. That. I, I like to know the last time it worked. Well, Cal Stanford, you know, when <laughs> yeah. I, you know, fifty years ago, right? Any or forty, whatever it was, nineteen eighty-two. So anyway, this thing, I'm. I get here to the Westgate at the Superbook, and then they're showing the replay. Marco, I really feel for you because, <laughs> in actual like time. This took about 15 seconds. And like you said, you had a pretty good return. You had a pretty good lateral. This guy's running up the sideline, crosses the 50. And it's like, maybe he's got a shot to, you know, to, <laughs> to get in for the touchdown. And then he kind of runs out of real estate. And it's more pitchy, more pitchy. Seriously, it was like this 15 seconds. If I had action on this game... I don't. I don't know. I, I might have, you know, died two or three times during the course of this. It's like this final scene of the longest yard. There it's you slow go. Motion, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like slow motion. <laughs> yeah. But uh, then uh, I texted you last night too <laughs> during the Steeler game, and yeah. uh, everybody knows I'm a big Steeler fan. But right. I bet I always bet with my head, not my heart. But I had an ungodly amount of teasers going to the Steelers last night because we know the history of this series. They're always three-point games. They they just always are. Getting Pittsburgh in a a low total Mm -hmm. game over the touchdown, getting them to plus eight uh, was great. But what I was looking to do the whole time, why I kept I teased everybody with Pittsburgh, was I was going to come back at game time with a money line wager on Baltimore. Have an eight-point middle Middle, in the game. game. And it looks pretty and, sweet. And, <laughs> the and I'm fair game. And Baltimore's minus one and a half, two. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to have to go money line where I'm going to be laying like maybe 130, yeah. 135. But because of the way the day played out, and everybody that Pittsburgh needed to lose to stay alive lost. lost. Now the game became even more significant for Pittsburgh. Late money started pouring in on Pittsburgh. 
got the line down because I'm sitting there. You're texting me, and I'm like kind of ignoring you because I'm on my computer screen checking all the lines around town. Found two books that had the game yeah. at Pickham. I'm jumping in to get my Baltimore at a Pickham, and I don't yeah. have to lay 135. Added yeah. edge for me, and I'm sitting there in that final drive. Is a Steeler fan? Do I want Pittsburgh to win outright <laughs> to keep the playoff hopes alive, right. or, or finish the way it does? And I make a big, huge middle day. score. Right. Yeah. I did. I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, my wife's looking at me like, "What are you doing? Are, yeah. You're not excited." I'm just sitting there like this. I don't know what it. <laughs> the emotions with him, like around eight eight thirty last That's night, right. and yeah. then now again, you know, at uh, at one o'clock seven, it was crazy. So the reason why I'm texting him because and he still got to go through tonight yet. <laughs> exactly, he's, he's sporting oh, his Bills oh, sweatshirt. Yeah, he's, he's got to go, go through this Rose Bowl. He's got, got action with me. On he's got one. he's got action with you on the Rose Bowl. He's got the Bills tonight. Yeah. It's it's been a long weekend for Marco here. I, I don't know if I want him near us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he might be the human jinx. I don't know, but. Congratulations on your teaser play. Okay. But the reason why I'm texting him, because as you know, so I was at the Raider Niner game uh-huh. yesterday, and it was a 105 game, and the game goes overtime. So, you know, it goes late, and I, you know, ca- cashing my, my, my uh, teaser ticket on the, on the Niners, which I, I got there with that. So now I'm thinking, okay, I, I want some action tease special to, you know, with the Steelers yeah. or the Ravens to this Utah and Buffalo, you know, tonight. So I'm texting him because I don't know, you know, being in the stadium, I have no idea What's if going Pittsburgh on? is still alive. <laughs> yeah. is, is Pittsburgh playing for something or not? So while I'm walking out of the stadium in that, you know, crowd of 70,000, you know, mostly, you know, wearing red. Yeah, you showed you know, me the get, video. That yeah, was not oh, good. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm texting Marco, does Pittsburgh have anything to play for? Because I didn't know. And I didn't hear anything back from him. So I'm going like, okay, well, I got time because the game was, you know, 5-15. So you were fine. Yes. And, uh, but going back and forth. And then finally he gives me this long text. They are and blah, blah, blah. And all the scenarios. I don't care about that. <laughs> which side am I going to play? You know? And then, so they do have something to play for. Okay, I'll tease Pittsburgh with you. And yeah. we, we, we got paid. So that was good. But speaking of the, the, the football game yesterday, while we got Jay here, uh, Niners and, and Raiders, let's start with, uh, I guess, uh, the Niners. I mean, just a phenomenal effort by them. Again, showing why they are the consensus number one team right. in football. Um, you know, Brock Purdy, Jared Stidham, we're getting a couple of young quarterbacks. Back in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm, you still don't know if we're believing in Brock right. Purdy or not. But again, I figured the Niners would show up. Well, it took the Niners a while to show up as they had to overcome. Their defense didn't. Exactly, <laughs> early on. All right, And so they did overcome a 10-point deficit and. You know, if you're if you're got the Raiders, you're thinking like, okay, this is not good, right? Like, you're up by ten, but we know the again, history. Again, the Raiders had a double digit lead, which has not been good. Exactly, exactly. And then uh, the Niners come back, and uh, the game went back and forth. And then, as we know, it goes into overtime because Robbie, usually good as gold, yeah. you know, misses a forty-one yard field goal. Right. Raiders win the coin toss, and all of a sudden, Derek Carr reappeared. And then there goes Jared Stidham with a, I don't know what that pass was. Well, he got, he got hit. He couldn't follow through. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. But the tackle, uh, uh, let's, the 49er defense showed up uh, yeah. in the way uh, Boza, he, he just, he walked the tackle back in to set him. And mm-hmm. it's hard to get anything on the ball. And his arm got stopped. So the ball just floated up in the air, which, you know, I saw one angle, uh, because we were getting ready to do the television and the end zone behind Stenham. It was hilarious because as soon as 
Boza pushed the tackle in there and he saw the arm angle. Boza was he already knew it was gonna be picked. Yeah. He already knew that he had made a play for, for the for the pick and uh so it took the 49ers defense a long time, but they finally made the play mm. to to win the game. Jared Stidham, what were your thoughts about how he handled the situation? He played, played very well. He did? He, he really did. He played very well. I was very impressed for a kid that hasn't been in the regular season game, the way he moved around the pocket, kept his eyes down the field. Plus, he took off on a couple of runs that were big runs. Uh, I thought he did some really good things in his audition. You know, that's what it is. Let's let's be honest. He's got a two-game audition, and in the first one, I think he passed the test pretty well. Mm-hmm. Now, you always see, you know, everybody on Twitter, you know, everybody's got an opinion. And I've heard people throw the phrase out already, they found a bridge to their next quarterback. Right. Okay. Do right. you buy that? Yes. Yeah, they're going to draft a young kid. They're, that's that's what this whole play is for. They want to see, a, you know, if Jared can go back out, sit him next week and play well again, they're like, we're good. Mm-hmm. We're good. Or do we have to get somebody that we think is really ready right away, try to maybe jump the draft to get maybe somebody else or something. But uh, I think they'll draft a young kid, uh, put him in there, and they'll mm-hmm. use... Stenum. What impressed me the most about him yesterday is his ability to extend plays. Right. That, that's that's the one thing that you don't get yeah. with Derek Carr. Well, there, there was two things that I noticed and I commented on is, A, number one, what you just said, he extended some plays, he moved around, he used his legs. And the other thing was the mid to long game was back. Yeah. It wasn't all, hey, let's check it down, or, you know, boom, 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 everything was short. It was, I'm looking down the field first, and he threw a couple balls up. Of course, you know, Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams, and he goes and makes some phenomenal catches. But here again, he threw it up there to make him make those plays, uh, to allow him to make those plays, and that's what it was all about. You know, typical Raider fans, though. You know what they were yelling and screaming about yesterday? It's like, why didn't he make this uh a decision four weeks ago. Yeah. Look at him. Forget yeah. Derek Carr. This and that. Right. And then you know I made the joke. You know yesterday at the end by saying, well, and then you're back to Derek Carr right. on the last play. But you're right. He got hit. But he, uh, you know, good account for for himself uh, as well. And then we look at Brock Purdy. I mean, this guy continues uh, to get the job done. I like his demeanor. Uh, but again, so much talent around him with all the offensive weapons that the Niners have. Uh, the Niners really came to play in the second half, and especially uh, late in the game, and they get the uh, field goal in overtime uh, uh, to win uh, yesterday, uh, 37-34. to But uh, very good game, very entertaining game. I'll say this, you know, whether you're a Raider fan, Niner fan, or whatever it is, I mean, you're going to these games, and you're having a great time. I mean, these games have been fantastic. I mean, coming up the last two home games, oh, I mean, look at look what we saw. You know, the thing with New England, uh, you know, botching it, and the Raiders win in, in dramatic fashion, and then yesterday they kind of lose in, in dramatic fashion uh, to the 49ers. But, uh, you know, one more home game. And, uh, you know, note here that they have – the NFL has already moved that game to Saturday, Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Saturday, one oh five yeah, kickoff. Yeah. yeah, so we we know that uh, you know there are a lot of people that commute to these games, and you know it's kind of weird. You know, with with Las Vegas, that uh, you know you got people going to have to change their flights and do all the other kind of stuff. So uh, we'll yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, last week with the with the holiday, everybody was in town early. Uh, yeah. This place was jumping all weekend. So, but we've we'll seen, see how it works. We've seen every game that the split between Raider fans and the yeah. visiting team. 
this was the biggest split that I I, I say seventy five percent red. I mean, it uh-huh. was unbelievable being in there. That you did, the the amount of noise that you heard, and like I said, we're, yeah, you're right. We're we're used to it, but nothing like this. But we knew coming into it. I mean, Niner fans travel well, right? And again, one team is, you know, looks like they're ready for a Super Bowl, and the other team is is mailed in. And I personally know just a, a lot of friends that sold their tickets, and they end up selling them to Niner fans. Yeah, and I know that you know. Uh, you know, Mark Davis doesn't want to hear that. Raider, you know, personnel doesn't like to hear that. But that's what people are, are, are going to do. It's just the nature of uh, this beast's business. And we saw it with the Golden Knights. Even when the Golden Knights were winning, they were, you know, even though they took the vow and the pledge and all right. that kind of stuff, we see how it is. But this is Vegas, and I don't think, you know, diehard Raider fans, you know, should be too upset. I mean, that's just the way it is. Speaking it, of yeah. moving the games and moving to Saturday, how much of a disservice did they do to Jacksonville? Moving Jacksonville and Tennessee to the Saturday game, as important as that game is, given that Tennessee played on Thursday and Jacksonville played on Sunday. Yeah, I think it's a disservice, but I think also what the NFL was looking to do was let's have a meaningful game on Saturday right. that's going to impact Sunday's you know meaningful games too, yeah. uh, instead of having everything on Sunday. Um, you know. Let's let's be honest, okay? The NFL doesn't give a rat's you know what about the players. It's about putting teams in and time slots where they're going to get eyes on the TV, everybody's and all that. So, uh, and people are like, oh, how can you say that? Because nobody in their right mind that's ever played football wants to play on a Saturday or a Sunday and then come back and play on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. It's your body's just not ready, you know, uh, to do that. So. Again, it comes down to money. It comes down to who, the viewerships and all that stuff. Um, but Jacksonville will be excited because they know, hey, all they got to do is win. And I think it made the most sense to put this game on the Saturday because, remember, these two teams, the winner's in and the loser's out. So yeah. that game does not affect anything with right. any of the other teams right. on Sunday. So yeah. this is a standalone game Plus, basically on, on Saturday. So it, it doesn't matter. So if you put that in Sunday, then maybe it just, you know, you have other viewing options and other things. This way it's like, okay, this, you know, let's be honest. I mean, the winner of that game, they're going to claim the AFC South, right? And they're going to be probably one and done anyway. Plus the fact the travel time is not that far between. Good point, too. You know, the travel time. So so. I think that's why that game ends up on on Saturday. Now, any reason why they moved the Raider-Kansas City game to Saturday? I mean, because. Because that really doesn't mean much, but oh, it's it Kansas City and and people. Well, you're right. I mean, Kansas City it, walks yeah. up home field yeah. Yeah. even Saturday. You can't yeah. tell by the point spread, though, can you? <laughs> <laughs> As we uh, you know look at that right now, I mean, that's uh, you know Kansas City is a uh, is a nine point favorite, and probably I'm sure will climb again. But you know the Raiders covered you know the nine nine and a half whatever you got. We saw. You know that line with San Francisco open at five and then closed at nine nine and a half. So I know the books were sweating that out a little bit, but it ended up uh, you know working out pretty good. It know, could take out. It could take away the meaning from the Buffalo. You know, from the Buffalo right. game. Right. 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 All right. Speaking of which, all right. So tonight we've got Buffalo and Cincinnati. Looking forward to that. Definitely one of the, so the you best got Cincinnati football Marcos? games. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Handicap this one, Marco. Well, there's no question Cincinnati comes in as the hottest team in the NFL. They've won seven in a row. But let's be realistic in the seven games that they played. Because that division drew the NFC South, 
they had all those easy teams in the NFC South. Look at the quarterbacks that they played. The only tough game was Kansas City. That was a three-point win. They did play Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, which until yesterday, Tom was non-existent. Yeah, I was going to say, that's yeah, right. until yesterday, Tampa Bay wasn't a deal. Okay, so they really have played a soft schedule. The, only, the next best team after that was my Steeler team, and you've got a rookie quarterback, and the defense has played much, much better since T.J. Watt came back from the injury. There, there's not one defensive no player yeah. that moves the needle like he does for a team. And they scored 30 points on him. Pittsburgh yeah. scored 30 in that game in a 37-30 loss. The difference in this game to me is the defense, and that goes to Buffalo. The quarterbacks, they're both electric. The one thing that I – the difference maker between the two of them, they're both playmakers – but Josh Allen will run the ball, and he does not slide. This is a guy, he's got that bulldog mentality, which if you're a Buffalo Bill fan, you got to hold your breath every right. time he takes off because that team is nothing without him. And I think that's going to be the difference in tonight's game. And I think Buffalo still feels that they got the Super Bowl stolen from them last year because they lost that coin toss in that playoff game, never got a chance to get the ball. Right. It was Cincinnati that got to play Kansas City the week after and pulled the upset. Maybe Kansas City didn't have anything left in the tank after that epic final three yeah. minutes of the that playoff game, and they felt that they took their position in the Super Bowl. So this is a big game. There's no question about it. I generally don't like to go against a home team in a situation like this, but I think Top to bottom, Buffalo is the slightly better team. And a lot of money coming in on the Buffalo Bills tonight. We've seen this thing yeah. rise up to two and a half points now as well, too. Part of that is because Baltimore lost last night. That's true. Yeah. Cincinnati doesn't have to worry about having to win next and week. And that's for the reason division. for it. Jay Schrader in the house with us. Marco D'Angelo, T.C. Martin here, of course, uh, on a special Monday edition here, New Year's Day 2023. Rose Bowl happening as we speak. And, of course, tonight, Cincinnati and Buffalo. Jay, what are your thoughts about tonight's uh, game between the Bengals and the Bills? Uh, you know, I'm going to agree. This is going to be hard to admit, but I'm going to agree with Marco here. Uh, you know, as much as I like to, to tease him and go against him, uh, Bengals do come in very hot. But Buffalo is a better football team. They just they just are. Their defense is much better. And the X factor, as you said, is Josh Allen, a quarterback, being able to run around, uh, extend plays, and make big plays with his with his legs. Um, he's done it time and time again. And uh, I look for Buffalo to, to win the game tonight. Yeah, I think all three of us are on that side. So, all right, we'll look forward to that. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later. Uh, we got Jay Schrader in the house with us here for this segment. So I want to... Uh, get your take on what we saw and we talked a lot about it uh, during the course of the weekend of course last week last two three four weeks we've been hyping up the college football playoff uh, phenomenal uh, TCU takes care of Michigan 51 to 45 TCU total control of that game and the way I looked at that game guys is they just took it to Michigan they were more physical than them uh, the third down conversions told the story. It's a stat that I love looking at. TCU was 8 for 16, Michigan 3 for 13. And as crazy as it sounds, but you know, one of the reasons why I picked TCU, I just figured that, you know, again, I'm, I'm anti-Big Ten. Yeah. Michigan, I just they had, they had some holes. I wasn't sold on their defense. And TCU just exploited that. I mean, Sonny Dykes did a fantastic job. Max Duggan as well, too. But it just looked like TCU was the more physical team. There's no question about it. And the thing that 
watching the game yesterday, I became a Max Duggan fan. Yeah. You know, he's he's been at TCU. We've seen highlights and all of that, but that's the first time I've been able to actually watch him play. I'm a fan. The, he can play. Uh, he's a competitor uh, at, in every aspect, and he never gave up. I mean, that game was back and forth, and uh, some good things happened, some bad things happened. I was impressed with TCU. Mm-hmm. He won me over in the Big 12 championship game. That was that was the game that, you know, for me, I mean, he carried them on, on his back. But Michigan shot themselves in the foot, too. Let's be realistic. Yeah. You, you two pick sixes in one game, and then you get a touchdown that gets overturned and places the ball at the one. Okay, no problem. <laughs> You're going to punch it in on the next play. You have four chances to do it. Yeah. So I don't want to hear that nonsense. They, I mean, fumbled. they fumbled on they the fumbled next play. That's my point. Play. But you're going to have four. If you right. can't execute a handoff, Right. I don't want to hear about it. Right. That's just <laughs> not right. Because was it, was it a bad a number call? Number two yes, team. But but I, I agree. If exactly. You can, okay. If you, can, you can, if you can't overcome that, yeah. right. I'm sorry. And, yeah. and as far as the pick six, how about credit to TCU? Right. And, and, and JJ McCarthy. We talked about JJ McCarthy. He makes these type of mistakes. Michigan is a ground and pound type of team. JJ McCarthy's not going to light you up for three fifty, four hundred yards passing the football. So, and again, here we go with Jim Harbaugh. Again, you know, we're always talking about Harbaugh, right? And, you know, yeah, I mean, there, there were some, some bonehead calls that, that went against Michigan. I get it, but I, I look at Harbaugh, and I, I don't know. So I, just, so I saw this 10 minutes after the game. Is Harbaugh the Indianapolis Colts coach next year? <laughs> Here we go again. The rumor mill started, I right? Mean, this was within 10 minutes after the game where, you know, here again, he didn't win the big game at Michigan, okay? Is Michigan are the alumni? You know they're not looking. They're they're happy, but okay. they're not. Let me ask you. They're this. like, hey, we put yourself. I'll put you in the the professional quarterback, NFL quarterback role, or maybe even a front office guy. Do you want Jim Harbaugh to run your team? Do I want him? No. Yeah. No. Okay. Explain that because I I agree with you. I you know I, I don't understand the hype. I I really don't um, because you know especially after everybody was talking, they've gone back to what he did at San Diego, what he did at Stanford, three tight ends, multiple, you know, ground and pound. That's that's not today's football. You're not going to make that in the NFL. You can't score enough to win enough games in the NFL playing that type of offense. And I think you know when he was at San Francisco, they had a great year. I mean, a phenomenal year, but that was one year. And they had a quarterback that was. Is different. Colin Kaepernick was, was his quarterback at the okay. time. Yeah. So that was the big thing. And I always, when he was at Michigan, for and I, I laugh about Michigan and Harbaugh, and and I scratch my head about Denver and John Elway being, you know, involved in it. You, these two guys that were quarterbacks, <laughs> can't find or produce right. a quarterback to save their soul. Mm-hmm. Okay. If JJ McCarthy is your best quarterback that you've had, yeah, you haven't done your job. Yeah, I agree. I so we agree. go back. We go back to the nightcap where Georgia beats Ohio State, and again, just a phenomenal college football day on Saturday. Right. And to top it off with with that, uh, Georgia overcame not one but two fourteen point deficits, down by eleven points with uh, nine minutes to go. They have the sixty uh, seventy six yard touchdown pass. They get the two point conversion, cuts it to thirty eight thirty five. Ohio State adds the field goal, and then I, I don't know about you guys, if you had the the faith that that Stetson Bennett, you know, could lead them down for a touchdown, uh, and, and he did, and it was phenomenal. But Be- uh, Bennett was not great. No. But, uh, again, 
Talk a little bit about uh, that outcome. Well, I mean, it was surprising, number one, and uh, I'm surprised you didn't bash me for my – I sent him a text that I felt bad for the kicker. You know, oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I do. I, like honest, a, a quarterback feeling I, bad I, for the kicker? I, I, I honestly do. Here's yeah. a kid that, you know, hasn't missed at that di- distance all year uh, and everything else. I thought Ohio State was going to win it at the end. Uh, it's just very unfortunate. But it was just a great game because it was punch-counterpunch the whole game back and forth. Uh, and as a fan, you couldn't ask for anything. But as as a player or as a coach, I'm trying to figure out where defense is in today's football because you can't, you just can't play it. I said the same thing to my wife at the end of the game. That, that poor kid. I mean, yeah. it's one thing for a field goal kicker in the NFL to miss a kick and so right. forth. But college on that stage, that's going to live with him forever. Yeah. Ryan Day gets credit for an excellent game plan. He came out and attacked Georgia and showed no signs that we're scared of that defense. Mm -hmm. Both coaches, in my opinion, made blunders in the final two minutes of that game. First of all, when Georgia completed the big pass play downfield, why were you not taking your time to score, you had all your you had timeouts, so the clock wasn't an issue that you had to rush. Right. You were in position. You want to score with as least amount of time as there is in that game. And then for Ryan Day, once they got, it was like the minute he crossed that line with they show on TV, you know, the target <laughs> field goal. He stopped. He stopped yeah. attacking. Yeah. You're going to put that your, was the first time all game he stopped being aggressive. Exactly. And it, here we go again. You, you, and I'm screaming at you. The now TV. you're playing not to lose it's again. Game, right? and, and, and I agree with you, Marco. That's you know he he has to take blame for that. And then the play calling, not just the pace, but the play calling that concerned the first the run the right. dive up the middle. If you are going to to keep the football and run it, then keep it in your quarterback hands. Right. You saw what Stroud did. You know earlier on that we got him down there. You know. Run him to to the wide side of the field. Don't dive it into the line to the short side, and then you come back and and then you want you want to throw you know this this lateral pass, and that it was ridiculous. Well, I just I don't understand because in today's football, every team Ohio State every team has RPOs, run pass options. Why are you not running those every play at that situation? Because now you put the ball, you put the decision in the quarterback's hands based on the defense. You're like telling him, okay, that guy does this. We know we got this because that's what the play design is, you know, and, and keep doing it. Nope. Very rarely do they do that anymore. I'm like, why don't you do it? It's worked all game. Why are you getting away right. from it? And, and you it's, put, it's, it's frustrating. You feel sorry for Noah Ruggles, the Ohio State kicker, to put him in that position. That was a 50-yard field, field goal. goal. Yeah. 50-yard field goal yeah. for a kid who was 19 years old yeah. in that pressure, in that dome, 70% Georgia fans. I understand that you know you got no weather to deal with, but still, not an easy kick at all no. for your entire season to come down to that. You get as close as you can. No question. And yeah. they could have because they, they had no problem. When was the last time Ohio State punted before <laughs> well, yeah. that? Well, look at, I mean, yeah, think about look it. at what Ohio State did in the third quarter when it was a rat race back yeah. and forth, right? Yeah. And uh, you're like, come on, you got to dial one of those up, don't you? There you go. <laughs> we, we we have to mention one play though, and. Somebody please explain to me what targeting is because I don't understand it anymore. Because Marvin Harrison, they took when they took him out of the game on that hit. That was a big play. Okay, but that that but, was the. But that was not targeting. It, okay, yeah. and they've kind of they've kind of retold the officials what targeting is. It's got to be the crown, the face of the helmet, uh, you know, directly to the blow of the head. Okay, 
that play was an old-fashioned go get him. He, he did the, the defensive player did turn his head to the side and hit him mostly with the shoulder pad first. Right. That's what saved him to dislodge the ball. To that's how you, that's what you're taught. Yeah. Uh, so it was a great play, but it was not targeted by the definition of what it is. Um, and I've even seen players, you know, with the side of the helmet go helmet to helmet. They don't call that targeting. Drop the head, which is the absolute worst position you can be in as a defender or offender, because now you're jamming your neck. Uh, straight back. Um, so they had no answer for him. No, they had no answer. Yeah. No, he yeah. he was the difference maker in the first half. All right, uh, great college football Saturday, and then one week from tonight, we get to do it all over again with TCU and Georgia, and we'll uh, handicap that during the course of uh, the rest of today's show and all week long with all of our uh, college football experts. All right. Jay Schrader, I appreciate you uh, rolling by here today, man, on uh, on New Year's Day and hanging out with us for a segment. You bet, you bet. Glad I could do it, and uh, you know, had to come in and see Marco, and uh, <laughs> and you make sure right. he was okay. And it looks like you know you uh, withstood a uh, a very hectic New Year's Eve. You have all your faculties. I do. You know, there's no there's no New Year's uh, protocol for you. No. Uh, we don't need to to sideline you or anything. No, uh, I'm I'm good. It yeah. uh, it was a great New Year's. I got to spend it uh, with all the 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 Raider fans from the black hole so uh we had a good time no question about right. it were you singing some two short songs were you wrapping along for some two short songs you know i, I will admit that uh, too short was up there but i knew none of the words <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew none of the words so but, uh, the black were, hole party yeah right. that's good stuff all right brother appreciate you and Thank uh you. hopefully we will see you uh at the end of this week but uh i know you uh Thank you. You may be uh, out of commission for the for, for the week. Well, we'll see. See if the robot does its job tomorrow. Right. So we'll see what happens. And uh, Jay going going through a little uh, little surgery. So uh, you know. So hopefully, <laughs> I all, like the all way you put it. Well. Little surgery. Yeah. yeah. You know, I know. We can go with some liquid painkillers. There we go. Yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. Well, I didn't know. If, by, 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 by I didn't Friday. know if I should bring it up or not. Yeah, but then yeah. I oh. already kind of brought it up. Yeah. I know. I'm just getting a knee replaced that's been long overdue. So it'll be done by robot. So hopefully by Friday we'll make that happen as long as I'm up and moving and we'll be good. It is 2023. We're trusting the robot now We're in the operating the robot. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It is what it is. You know, right. technology, yeah. you know, as long, as long as the power doesn't go out and they got backup power, we're good. There you go. <laughs> hope for good weather. Okay. Right, well, while you're in the operating table, hope for good weather. Yes. All right, my man. Appreciate it as always. Thank you, sir. All right, we come back. Matt Holt is going to join us. Uh, we will talk to Matt uh, as we normally do on Mondays, talk about what happened on the sportsbook side of things. And then, of course, uh, we will also preview more Monday Night Football. We've got that happening, get you updated on what's happening in the Rose Bowl. And, uh, of course, uh, everything else to look forward to with NFL Week 18. And, of course, we'll recap what we saw this past uh, Sunday in the NFL as well, too. All right, T.C. Martin, Jay Schrader, Marco D'Angelo in the house at the world-famous Superbook here on a very happy New Year's Day to you, 2023, at the Westgate Las Vegas. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. to everybody and we are live at the Westgate Las Vegas people still rolling in and uh, 
it looks like they're in pretty good shape. You know, from uh, they're re- recuperating from New Year's Eve and then New Year's Day, and then today, I guess, uh, officially a New Year's Day holiday. So we appreciate everybody for joining us here today, our special edition at the Westgate Las Vegas, our Friday home. But we thought, hey, let's be here today because we've got great college bowl games, recap, probably the best college football semifinals we've ever seen. And then we got a very meaningful Monday night football game tonight between the Bills and the Bengals. All right, I want to thank Jay Schrader for uh, joining us. Uh, first segment, Marco D'Angelo with me here at the Superbook. And Matt Holt joins us now from U.S. Integrity. Matt, what is going on, my man? Happy New Year. TC, Happy New Year, my friend. What a weekend of football we just had. Outstanding. Got to say, Matt, I know you deal a lot with these uh, different conferences, and uh, you deal a lot with college football and basketball. Uh, you, you had to be very happy, and everybody you know had to be very, very happy with the with the outcome because not only were the games fantastic, but we had good conference representation, and we know that the uh, TV ratings were off the charts as well. Look, I'm not trying to say anything about the Big Ten, but there's only one Power Five conference that's not a client of U.S. integrity. That conference went 0-2 in the CFP. <laughs> I'm on to L.A. next week, baby. There you go. Exactly. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the two semifinal games. Outstanding. We saw a 1,000 yards of offense in each game. Just phenomenal. But that is where college football is right now. Uh, the high scores, 51-45 in the TCU-Michigan game, 96 points, flew, flies over the total. Georgia wins 42-41 over Ohio State. You got 83 points, uh, flew over the total in that game. And I think a lot of people, Matt, were thinking like, okay, this Georgia-TCU game, it's going to you know, maybe be in the mid-70s or something like that. But we got like a 63 uh, on the total, in a 13-point number in favor of Georgia for the championship next Monday night. Yeah, that's going to be an amazing game. And I think what we've seen is the early money's coming in on Georgia. But we've, we've continued to see plenty of prognosticators say that this TCU team doesn't have a shot. They were going to be overmatched on both lines against Michigan. Yet after that first carry against the Wolverines, uh, in that game Saturday, they held Michigan to three and a half yards per carry after that. So this is a TCU game, a TCU team that continues to buck every trend, that continues to buck every analyst and, and every stat predictor. And at the end of the day, I don't know that I want to step in front of this train. On paper, this looks like a Georgia blowout, but we've said that a lot against this Horn Frog team. And I don't know that I want to step in front of Destiny. Matt, uh, are you a little surprised that the, that total is, and I say is, only you know, 63 or 62 and a half? Well, I think the total is pegged like that because of the size of the spread. So let's say these two teams played this game 10 times. I think out of those 10 times, four of them are probably just absolute rip-roaring Georgia blowouts. And in those four cases where they're Georgia blowouts, the total probably tends to stay low because the Bulldogs could take their foot off the gas in the second half and, you know, and kind of cruise to a win, run the ball, take the air out of the football. So I think that's always the scary part of betting a total when you have a favorite that's a two-touchdown favorite is if they're up 31-3 to at halftime, they're going to take the air out of the ball in the second half. All right, Matt Holt joins us from U.S. Integrity. Marco D'Angelo in the house with us here today as well. 
Matt, uh, looking at the game, and I agree with what you're saying there, uh, my initial reaction is I am going to look to the under in the game, and it, it's not going to be fun watching a championship game and having the under. It never is. But my thing is TCU had a month to come up with a game plan against Michigan, and they went you know, mono-mono with them. They didn't duck, you know, a lot of people said that they were going to be out physical. I mean, TCU, you could make the argument, was the more physical team in the game where all they heard is that Michigan was going to run the ball down their throat, this and that. It's a big difference coming back now in nine days as opposed to having a full month of prep. And Georgia's been there, done that. Uh, and Georgia's going to make adjustments as well after what they saw TCU do against Michigan. And I think Georgia, you, you heard Kirby Smart after the game. He kept saying, there's things that we have to clean up. And obviously, you know, Ohio State, you know, threw the football all over the place. But there's no Marvin Harrison on, uh, on the TCU uh, pass routes. Mm. Uh, what are your thoughts, Matt? Well, I... I totally get that, but Max Duggan has had some success throwing the football. And if you're on the Georgia side, one of the things you have to consider here is they haven't left the state of Georgia in a while. They played the SEC championship game at Mercedes uh, Stadium where they're very comfortable, turned around and played in that same stadium again, again where they're very, very comfortable um, playing in that environment. Now, all of a sudden, they're finally going to leave that stadium, fly across the country to L.A., You know, we've seen a very comfortable Georgia offense playing in that exact stadium. I wonder how they'll react to having to fly across the country now and playing out west. And the one downfall to this Georgia team, if they've had one all year, has been teams that could throw the ball against them. I mean, LSU, that was sort of a blowout. I mean, LSU didn't cover the spread and lost the SEC championship game by 20 points. But they still scored more points throwing the football against the Georgia Bulldogs than any other team all year. So in back-to-back games, we have seen teams have success throwing the football against Georgia. Max Duggan's gritty. If, If he can get the passing game going, perhaps they can score some points. But if he doesn't get that passing game going early, oof. Watch out. Yeah, and, and Marco, if you've watched Quentin Johnson, I, and I've watched TCU quite a bit this year. I mean, he is phenomenal. He's a big receiver. He had 163 yards against Michigan on Saturday. And so I, I, I think he's a fantastic receiver. TCU, when you when you look at this offense, I mean, designed by Sonny Dykes, and wherever he's gone, they've been high octane. And the only reason Sonny Dykes' teams have not been really stellar is because those teams usually – are a little bit shy on the defensive side of the ball. And TCU actually has that. But just to see the way this offense operates, uh, they can run the ball, you know, with Kendra Miller. It looks like, you know, give him now seven, eight days to to heal. He should be okay. But the backup was nice. Johnston, like I mentioned, the wide receiver. And Duggan, he can hit you through the air or on the ground. And, I, you know, I, I don't expect Georgia to kind of throw in two clunkers, even though they won the game. I mean, they did not you know, look like the better team on no. Saturday night. They did not. And I fully expect Georgia to bounce back. But if people are thinking that this is kind of a fluke with TCU, no way, man. This TCU team is, is ready to roll. They've got some athletes. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's going to be a really good game. And, and what's going to happen when you take the Bulldogs out of the comfort of Mercedes-Benz uh, yep. Stadium this week? 
I think it could get really interesting. I mean, their their defensive secondary has got torched in back-to-back games, playing basically in their backyard. And, and TCU, the one thing they've been able to do is score all season long. I think we could be in for a fun championship game as long as TCU doesn't make mistakes early and let Georgia get ahead uh, too far ahead early. Because if they do, that Georgia running game will just run all over TCU. The one thing I feel confident is that Georgia is going to score plenty of points this week. What's not quite known on the other side is that Georgia defense going to be up for the task, something we never thought we'd say after last season and the first half of this season. But in the second half of this season, we saw a Georgia Bulldogs defense that was vulnerable seven times, you know, almost lost to Missouri, almost lost to a Mac school, and then in back-to-back games had over 30 points scored on them by offenses that predominantly passed the ball. Max Duggan can throw it. This could be a fun one. And let's don't forget that 16-6 to game against Kentucky, Matt, as well, too. Yeah. I mean, they, were, they were, did not look that good uh, in that game as well, too. I want to talk with you about uh, the Citrus Bowl that was earlier today and from a betting standpoint because this got a lot of acclaim here over the last week or so. Uh, Betting on the Citrus Bowl was halted in the state of New Jersey because of Drew Brees. Now, people may or may not be aware of, you know, Drew Brees, a former Purdue quarterback. Well, he actually was on the coaching staff as on an interim basis uh, for Purdue because they lost their head coach. Jeff Brom left. He take the, uh, took the job over at Louisville, his alma mater. So, you know, Purdue's kind of going through this, uh, this flux. He wasn't the head coach, but he was, you know, with the team over the last three weeks getting ready for this Citrus Bowl. Now, Drew Brees has a stake in one of the, um, uh, the, the, the betting places, uh, Point Bets. So Point Bets actually terminated their ambassador partnership with Drew Brees as their spokesperson back on December 22nd. But this affected betting on the Citrus Bowl where they were not allowing bets after this and actually said that the tickets actually must be voided after December 15th. Now, I know that you've been following the story because this is exactly what you do, Matt, with U.S. Integrity. Talk to us about this story, how it all unfolded, and, and, and how this all not only came about, but where it ended as well. Sure. And, and, you know, we had to work with state regulators all over the country on this one, something that we've actually dealt with a lot here in, in Nevada when you think back to, you know, the Fertitta bu- brothers owning the UFC and thus not being able to bet the UFC at stations properties or the Maloofs owning the Palms so you couldn't bet the Kings at the Palms. What happened here was basically everybody knew uh, that Drew Brees was a brand ambassador for points bet and and that Drew Brees had ended that affiliation so he could be an assistant coach for the Purdue Boilermakers in the Citrus Bowl against LSU. But the points bet people came back and and told New Jersey and several other state regulators uh, late last week that, hey, by the way, as part of his brand ambassadorship, he earned some equity. And because of that, you know, very minuscule amount of equity he earned, there is still potentially some conflict of interest. And the sports book, to their credit, reported it. Now, again, we've talked about how in Nevada we've handled those situations and what our statutes here say where, you know, again, you, the, you couldn't bet the UFC at stations because the Fatitas owned it, or you couldn't bet the Sacramento Kings at the Palms, or you couldn't bet the Boston Celtics at the Silverton because there was a minority ownership stake there. 
But New Jersey's interpretation was this violated their statute, and thus the game itself became ineligible for wagering in the state of New Jersey, the state with the second most betting handle in the entire country, whereas most other states sort of observed the, the rule in a very similar or the same way that Nevada would, meaning points bet was prohibited from accepting wagers on the event but other operators were would be allowed to. So an interesting thing moving forward when you think of some of the dynamics of, you know, Robert Kraft and his relationship to DraftKings or Michael Jordan or a, a lot of these stars who have affiliations or relationship with sportsbooks and what it could mean moving forward and, and making sure that all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted when you end these affiliations or people attempt to be in ownership that used to have affiliations with sportsbooks that if these things aren't fully clear and clean, it could lead to uh, events being ineligible for wagering, and that's certainly not the goal of any of the athletes or ambassadors involved. Yeah, I get it from, you know, I guess a standpoint where, okay, maybe it doesn't look good, but, I mean, you know, we know that Drew Brees, you know, is, is just a spokesperson, no different than what we see with Jamie Foxx is, is doing with MGM or what J.B. Smoove is doing with, uh, you know, Caesars. And, you know, so my question here is, why just New Jersey and, and why not any of the other jurisdictions? Why not the other states? Uh, again, I think the other states interpreted their law similarly to how Nevada does. Well, okay, Drew Brees has an affiliation with PointsBet. Drew Brees is now a coach at Purdue for this game. So for this game, PointsBet cannot accept wagers on the event. The fact that New Jersey, you know, deemed the entire event ineligible is certainly unprecedented, but that is how they interpreted their statute and their laws. They didn't come up with a singular interpretation just for this one event. They said, look, when these things happen, according to our laws right now, it doesn't mean they can't be changed. Our interpretation is that the event is deemed ineligible for wagering, and thus nobody in, in the state of New Jersey got to wager on that game today which probably isn't the worst thing in the world because it wasn't exactly a good game. Exactly, right. Uh, Matt, uh, as you said, the law can be changed, and we've seen perfect example here. I mean, I've been here in Vegas uh, for a while now, but I remember when I first came, you couldn't bet on UNLV games. Right. And now we're a lot – I remember when I first came, you couldn't even have a cell phone in a sports book. <laughs> so, I mean – Everything evolves. This is changing times. How long do you think that uh, the, min the minority ownerships are going to be a problem? Well, I don't know. I think that there'll both be a law change in New Jersey. I think that's probably going to come, and it'll be a little more clearer because this was an interpretation issue. But I also think that athletes are going to have to be a little bit more careful because it's not uncommon for an athlete to make a transition from their playing career to some type of media or brand ambassadorship at first and then later on decide that they want to be involved in coaching. That happens all the time. I mean, Jeff Saturday just came off the bench basically to be a coach. Nobody thought he would. He very easily could have had himself a brand ambassadorship or some type of marketing partnership going on with a sports book. So I think on both sides, the sports books and the athletes, they have to be really careful moving forward in how they write these contracts to ensure that when they suddenly decide they want to become involved in coaching or ownership of a team, that there is a clean break 
and that their involvement with that team won't suddenly prevent that team from being on the betting boards. Because we know one thing, betting equals viewers. And if you can't bet on a game, people aren't tuning into a game, especially if that game's 63-7. to So I think moving forward, we just need to make sure that these contracts are written in a way where once there's a separation between the athlete and those sports books, that separation is clean so they can transition into coaching or, or, or ownership of teams. Every year we have this conversation that, you know, it, we come to the end of the year and the betting handle has just continues to increase and surpass the previous years. And I know those numbers will be coming out very soon, Matt, but uh, what kind of numbers are, are we expecting to see not only for the state of Nevada, but just nationwide? Oh, my God, monster numbers, TC. I'm hearing reports that the end-of-year numbers could be around $150 billion legally wagered in the United States in 2022. And look at how successful the launch was Saturday in the state of Ohio. For all those books that just launched in Ohio on Saturday, they got two amazing CFP games on Saturday. And then all of a sudden, Sunday, they get this awesome uh, NFL slate, including Raiders-Niners overtime game. So I think it's just going to continue to grow and, and leaps and bounds. And we don't even have California, Florida, Texas fully going with sports betting yet. Imagine what the numbers will be when those three go. And really, New York just got settled in this year, already clear number one. Uh, with Ohio, I mean, this year we get Ohio, who just launched this past weekend, Massachusetts, Maryland launching their full mobile. They expect big numbers from the state of Massachusetts. I think it's most prognosticators expect that in 2023 there will be over two hundred billion dollars legally wagered in the united states that's right and plenty of marketing going with all the professional leagues uh, as well too uh they just uh you know again one time anti and now they can't get enough of it they have all these great partnerships all right matt we appreciate it as always my friend happy new year we look forward to talking with you a lot more we'll catch you next week before the championship game between tcu and georgia next monday have a good one brother Happy Happy New Year to you as well, TC and Marco. And look, I'll be in L.A., guys. If you're going to the championship game next week, let's go. Okay, uh, make sure you save at least one ticket. I don't care about Marco or, or Jay or anybody. <laughs> save me one, Matt. We'll be talking this week. All right, brother. Take there care. He is. My man, he goes to all the big games. My man, Matt Holt, U.S. Integrity. All right. Longtime friend, longtime partner uh, with us here, part of the show. Live from the Westgate, it is a Monday. Happy New Year. We come back. We start talking what our eyes saw in the NFL yesterday and a look ahead to the very important Week 18 right here. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo inside the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. Live in the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. It's been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers have got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Belaine with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Season Jeff Heath comes away with it, and Heath could go. Tripped up by Mahomes inside the five. The doctor is now in. And glad to have you with us on this Monday afternoon. We are live at the Westgate Las Vegas, the world famous Superbook, our Friday home. But today, hey, we're here kicking off 2023 in style at the world famous Superbook. 
Bowl games today. The Rose Bowl happening right now as we speak. And then tonight, Monday Night Football. Best Monday Night Football game of the year with all kinds of meaning. And you could maybe say maybe the two best teams in the AFC. It is Buffalo and Cincinnati. They will do battle. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house. Great to have you with us here today at the world-famous Superbook. A great crowd here on hand today. And, Marco, just a very chill day. One of my favorite days. You know, New Year's Day, I love usually just chilling, watching the games at home, unless I'm upset at the outcome and throwing things at my television, which I got a feeling you were doing earlier today. So thank you for being here today. I was fully expecting after that uh, Illinois-Mississippi State ending that uh, you just might be shining me on today. Uh, you know, you got to play, you got to play the games. And one last thing I'll say from the weekend in, we always talk about where is the best time to watch games being on the East coast, being on the West coast. And I am going to give you the final reason why the West coast is the best and this settles it forever. No husband on the West Coast got into a fight with his wife on New Year's Eve <laughs> because as the ball was about to drop, so was the game-winning field goal attempt. And West Coast, I had no fight. It was only 9 p.m. Right? My, all my friends on the East Coast, they were in trouble. They either missed a hell of a game or... They had a very long night with somebody upset at them. It sounds like you have some of your, the, those East Coast friends you have, uh, you know, may not be the master of their own domain. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're letting their women, uh, you know, run run their lives or the household there. You know the phrase, happy wife, happy life. Come on, DC. <laughs> All I know is is Marco is sending me pictures of, 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 of bars and food and this. It doesn't matter if it's late night Saturday night or Sunday or whatever. Mm. It's either poker chip with you or are you sending me food picks which and, i love and vegas golden night games too that's what i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. no 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 and we we know that Lori is a hundred percent supportive too because like you said she just rolls around her brand new kitchen and she says thank you marco for your wagers so she's she's fully invested she's Definitely. invested in you there you go and she gets to go to golden night games yeah you gotta like that you know guess start bringing her more aces games well, I have to do it. I have to. If I only knew somebody that could hook me up, <laughs> I could have swore that's happened before. But, you know, uh, no, great weekend of college football as we talked about it last hour. Jay Schrader joined us and uh, Matt Holt. And if you miss any part of the show today or any of the shows, go to the website tcmartinshow.com. And of course, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, make sure that you check us out there as well too. Wherever Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, it goes everywhere. So make sure that you check that out. And our our man Numchuck does a fantastic job with that. So Numchuck, happy New Year to you too, brother. So we, I know Friday was a little bit crazy because you know we had Raider Nation in the house, we had Niner Nation, we had. Uh, a fun show, uh, you know, here at the Westgate on Friday, and then it was just nonstop go, 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 um, you know, with uh, with festivities, parties, appearances on uh, Saturday, Sunday, and, of course, uh, the Raider game uh, at Allegiant uh, against the Niners yesterday was fantastic. And then here we are, like we said, you know, fantastic uh, bowl atmosphere as well, too. And like I said, Marco, I, I love New Year's Day for just being able to kind of chill. Well, last year I went to the Rose Bowl, and uh, it's kind of a bucket list thing for me, and I got a chance to see that Utah-Ohio State game. It was a fantastic game. Actually, I had an opportunity to go to today's game as well too, but 
I bypassed, you know, on it for a, a couple of different reasons. But I want to do the show here today. And I saw Utah last year, even though I like Utah here today. And they got themselves a great game with Penn State. Low scoring game. We remember, you know, 100 points were scored in that game last year <laughs> with Utah and Ohio State. And I kind of got the feeling that we were going to get that again today with two high octane offenses. But the defenses have shown up as uh, we're 7-7 midway through the second quarter here. But another beautiful day at the Rose Bowl. I don't know about you, but just, you know, the grandiosity of them all. Um, and it seems like, you know, even if it's not in the national championship picture as one of the semifinals or whatever, it kind of does get pushed to the side a little bit. But, you know, thank goodness for, for you know, the college football, whatever you want to call them, the committee and the Rose Bowl committee. Because remember, they went to, you know, had a bunch of battles here about, you know, whether they're going to keep the Rose Bowl at this standalone time slot. I hope they never change it because I love this. You said the granddaddy of them all. And for me is, you know, my memory, I've went to one uh, Rose Bowl. That was the USC Penn State one, uh, Sam Darnold. That was a great game. Um, but as a child, my childhood memory was New Year's Day watching the Rose Bowl with my dad. That was, you know, whether it was a corny moniker for the game or not, it was the granddaddy of them all. And uh, I love uh, love watching the Rose Bowl. It seems weird, though, to have it on January 2nd. That's the only thing. It is technically the New Year's Day because the the NFL had, you know, and the right for we, Sunday. We, we get this what once every seven years right. or, you know, or eight years, whatever it is. Uh, but it, here it is. So, but... Uh, and it's a holiday for just about everybody. But great crowd here, again, at the uh, sports book here at the Westgate, the world-famous uh, Superbook. All right, so we talked a little bit about the college football playoff in the first hour. Let's hit it again here for those that just joined us. TCU, Michigan, I know you and I were on opposite sides of this game, but still a fantastic game uh, to watch. But uh, what was your biggest takeaway from watching that first game Saturday afternoon? Well, I got to watch the second half because I was at the Golden Knights game. And, uh, you know, saw the highlights. I had a buddy texting me stuff. Uh, Obviously, the two pick sixes, difference of the game, the turnover at the one-yard line. So give Michigan credit for, I don't think they could have played a worse game with all of the miscues. They fought their way back. But, you know, TCU, you have to like the team. If you're, and I said it before the, the game this week, Max, you know, Duggan, he he won me over in the, in the, the uh, Big 12 championship yep. game. And he did it again in this game. And even in the interviews after the games, you know, most players are, you know, they're all excited. You know, this is a guy, there's one more game, okay, you know. He doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. And, you know, I know, you know, his stock has risen, but he's, you know, a lot of people still say he's not an NFL quarterback. I'll tell you what, there's certain things about certain players that just have that that leadership, that moxie. You want to go to battle with him. And watching the game come next Monday, if TCU wins, you know, I – I would be happy with that. You know, I don't know where my money's going to be yet. I did, you know, hint that I like the under in the game because I do think it's going to be a totally different game plan here. And we did see TCU in a game earlier this year. And it seems like this TCU team, they rise to the occasion when people say they can't do something. And what everybody said coming into this game against Michigan is, oh, this is Big Ten football. You're or big, you know, you're not going to be able to handle that power running game of Michigan. They're going to dominate. 
They stayed toe-to-toe with them, and they attacked. Remember when they played Texas uh, earlier in the year, and it was a game that I was on Texas, full disclosure. I thought they that was the first really good defense that they faced and that they wouldn't be able to stop Texas when Texas would. What kind of game did we get that day? It was a 17-10 final. Right. They can play whatever style you want to play. So uh, kudos to them. As far as Georgia goes, I think Georgia got a little bit caught off guard that Ohio State come out slinging the way they, that they were. Uh, in because they fell behind to Ohio State, kind of dictated a little bit of what Georgia had to do offensively, and then it became the track meet that it did. I think you're going to see totally different form. We've seen also in these games uh, the tendency has been slow starts in the big in the championship game. We always use the reference like a boxing match. You know, you're coming out and filling each other out in that you know those first few minutes that you know maybe we can even get a better you know if you like the over you might get a better number you know ten minutes into the football game whenever there's an adjustment. But uh, I lean to the under. That's where I'm at now as far as the game goes. I haven't locked into a side yet. If you had told me I had to play it today, I would probably be teetering about 52-53% to Georgia. We'll talk about uh, the line in that game here in just a moment or two, but just to kind of recap what took place in the nightcap. One of the best college football games we have seen, 42-41 Georgia over Ohio State, where Georgia overcame not one but two 14-point deficits, one in the first half, one in the second half. And again, it just seemed like the team that kind of got on a roll, and we see this a lot in college football, they, they, they just continue to roll. And then it takes a turnover or it takes a, a major stop to kind of you know turn things around. And uh, that's what we saw in this game. We saw just a lot of ebbs and flows in this game. I mean, Georgia was down 38-24 in the fourth quarter with about a little over 10 minutes to go. And then they were down by 11 with nine minutes to go. Uh, they get the 76-yard touchdown pass, a two-point conversion, cut it to 38-35. Then Ohio State adds a field goal to make it the six-point game, and then the game-winning drive where Georgia, you know, gets it with 54 seconds left, kick the extra point to go up by one. But again, you know, you just kind of felt Ohio State is going to put a drive together. They had 54 seconds to do it, and they did it. They got across midfield, got inside the 40, and then Ryan Day just kind of got conservative, which doesn't make sense. And Noah Ruggles had to try to boot a 50-yard field goal as time expired, and it did not go their way. Uh, a great football game, but I'll give a lot of credit to Ohio State. And it, it's kind of mind-boggling to think, and you said that you know Georgia maybe was caught off guard by Ohio State. You knew Ohio State was going to come in here ready to roll, and they were going to be fired up because this team has never been an underdog in a game all season long. And... They got embarrassed, you know, more than a month ago to Michigan. So you knew they, they were going to be ready, and they knew, and you knew that they had a, a high octane offense as well. So not surprising at all, and that's why we saw the money come storming in Ohio State, where this line closed at, at five in favor of Georgia, and you know the, the the books kind of took a little bit bath on this game. It actually dipped to four and a half. There there were books here on town uh, at gate, you know, an hour before game time that were at four and a half. The money did come in, but that was part of my handicap when we did the show on Friday. TC, I told you, yeah. I said for one month, Ohio State has heard nothing but they didn't belong. 
You know, and that it's a great motivator in, you know, college football. Now, the one thing, the other angle that I did tell you on Friday, that's still in play. No team that made it back to the, the playoffs has repeated. Yep. And that's something that, you know, Georgia's going to have to, you know, obviously they're a 13-point favorite, so they're supposed to, but we'll see if they do that. But you got the great equalizer, 13-point spread uh, for a national championship game. But the thing that makes me the most happy about this is everybody says that we want the four best teams in the playoffs. And there was a lot of debate. And if you take it from a bookmaker side, what the spreads would be, we did not get the four best teams in the championship. But look what we do have. We have TCU playing for a national championship. Right. Okay. It's David and Goliath. You know, that, you know, who didn't root for a go, you know, because the only thing you can compare this to is, is March Madness, where everybody starts, you know, the same other than the seeding. But, when you get a Butler make a run like they did several years ago, or Loyola Chicago make the run that they made, uh, we had Virginia Commonwealth one year. Those little George engines, Mason, yeah. this goes on and on, right? You yeah. you remember those teams in those runs? You all those years, you can't tell me who finished second in the national championship those years. Most likely, most people can't. But you'll remember every team that made a run to the fi- you know the final eight, whatever, in, or you know final four. It, it's you remember those stories, and that's what's good about the the game we have here today. Remember Butler finishing second to Duke. Yeah. Remember that? They, that's well, one that's though. The, but you're, what, you're yeah. right though. For the most part, you know you're right about that. The line is 13 here. A little bit surprised it is that high considering we know that that people like to bet the last thing that they saw fresh in their mind and they saw TCU again and this was no shock I mean TCU averaged 40 points per contest all year seven games this year they scored at least 40 they hit Michigan for 51 and Michigan was the best defense in the country giving up 12 points per contest and TCU obliterated them are you a little surprised that they hung a 13 on this, considering that Georgia did not look that good on Saturday night? I was shocked that the line was 13. I'll agree with you on that. But then, to be honest with you, when I went back and looked, all the, a lot of the books put look-ahead lines out mm-hmm. with the possible matchups. And I don't think anybody thought we were going to see this matchup, but this was around 13 and a half. So it did come where they thought it was going to be, but... Like you, everybody remembers what they just saw. And what we just saw clearly would have indicated an adjustment from that look-ahead line. I would not have been... I thought you're going to see no less than 10. I didn't think it would be 13 and a half closely. You know, maybe put this thing at 11, 11 and a half. You're going to have it over the two scores. But when you're at 11 and a half, 12, those are... 11 and 12 is the same number, basically. Uh, you can get a, a game fall on 11 because of, you know, the, the scoring patterns. But 12 and thir- 12, 12 and a half, it's all the same. 13, now you're into the situation. Will it go at 13, 13 and a half? Does it stay at 13 or does it tick to 14? Mm-hmm. That's the chess game if you're betting the game and you want to get the best number. You know, for me... I almost got burned on the Ohio State game waiting. I finally locked it in at six. When it was sitting at six and a half for a good while, that's the number where you're sitting saying, do I want to wait and see if I get that seven? But if I lose it, I go to six. 
but the only thing I lose is a push, not a loss. It's not a that half point, you know, didn't cost me, a, you know, big there. But then once it started going below five, you know, five and a half, five, those are the same numbers. It doesn't matter. When you see a line of 13, 13 and a half, and, and maybe a, a talk of going to 14, two touchdowns, I mean, that is a, a team that is a fluke, basically. And TCU is not a fluke and just gave you all the numbers again. And then what we did see, and, and the way college football is, we are seeing more and more parity, you know, now. That seems like a reputation line. When I say a reputation line, well, Georgia, they won the national championship last year. They're from the SEC, the Power Conference. They are ranked basically number one all season long. Yeah, making this line, and, and it could end up like this. It could end up a blowout, but I can't see it, Marco, because TCU hadn't lost a game all year you know, in, until that Big 12 championship game where you, know, you can make the case they should have won that game as well, too. This is So basically, these two teams are kind of mirror images of each other, and it does seem like a huge line here because TCU is not a one-trick pony. They're not a fluke at all. And I would think that the public and maybe even some sharps would be coming in and, and trying to take you know nearly two touchdowns here. I can't disagree with anything you're saying there. The one thing that you you don't you won't see in this one, and we talk about it when we get to the Super Bowl, there's always value on the money line. Now we're dealing with a double digit, so there's not going to be value because in the Super Bowl you have so many people come to town that are novice betters. They they that's the only game they bet all year. Right. And when they walk up to the window and they go to make a bet and they find out that it's 110 to 100, you know, take plus or minus, they go, that's all I win? And so they want to bet the dogs in those type of games on the money line because they want to win more money than they're risking. Uh, and the value becomes on, you'll see sharps betting the, uh, a favorite on the money line rather than laying the points because there's value because the money line has been driven down by the public. That won't happen here because you're not going to go out and take TCU on a money line uh, with it. But in the other association is if it's a big spread, people automatically think over as well. Right. Okay. But it actually plays more the other way because it is a lopsided game and a team does a lot of times if they are a dominant team, they could shut that other team down. And we've seen them hold teams to 10, you know, 10, 13 points all year. George has done that, but we've seen some games later in the year, as you pointed out, where they were susceptible to good passing teams. Yeah. We'll look forward to it. Now it comes uh, a week from tonight, a uh, national championship game with Georgia and TCU. Georgia, a 13-point favorite, and the total 63. And again, you know, a lot of people thought, well, maybe this line might come in a little bit higher, and, and I see where you're going with that, Marco. But again, if we just look at where these teams ha- have been lately, there's there's a lot of offense, and there's you know, we expect a lot of scoring in this game. It would not surprise me. I do not see it being a, a defensive battle because it seemed like Stetson Bennett struggled for a majority of that game against an Ohio State defense that is good, is decent, but as we know, they got shredded against Michigan, and, you know, they they have some lapses, especially in that secondary. So, you know, hey, give Sonny Dykes, you know, six, seven days to prepare for this. Wouldn't surprise me if uh, if this thing does, you know, be another high-scoring game that's going to be maybe in the 30s or the 40s. I, you know, I can't disagree with you, but I do disagree <laughs> yeah. with you. It's one of those. I let's say it will not be a fun game for me to watch 
because I don't, you know, you, it's never fun betting an under. Yeah. You know? Especially yeah. in today's college football, you know, climate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, imagine yesterday in the NFL, if you bet the over on the Minnesota uh, Chicago, not Minnesota, the Detroit Chicago right. game. One team scores forty one, and you miss you miss the over by you know a point. By a point. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah. and if you had the under, you had to be throwing up at halftime. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it, it's it's never fun. But if you if you looked at the two games, all right, and this is the thing about these teams got to develop a game plan and decide what they're going to do. TCU played a perfect game. They played, I think, their best game to get that win. So what are they going to change? As far as Georgia, if you one takeaway that you're going to take from that game, he's going to ride that defense hard this week. They played one of the worst games we've seen Georgia play defensively in, in two years. So that's one thing that's going to be worked on this week. That's one of the reasons why I'm swaying to the under, mm-hmm. because I trust Kirby Smart to make the correction in – he did it in the in-game interview, and he did it in the post-game interview. We have some things to clean up on defense, and that's that's where I'm looking at and why I'm going to back the under. And I, if they do get a lead and they do instill what everybody thought Michigan would be able to do and pound the football down their throat, if they have a lead, the best defense is to keep – TCU's offense off the field and just methodically work your way down the field, that's the way to wear them down. And that's the game plan that I think George is going to go with. You know, it's funny because we're sitting there talking about the Georgia defense, and granted, you're right, they're known as a staunch defense, but they did give up 30 and over 500 yards to LSU in the game before in the 42-41 game, but Georgia really did not play a team like TCU as far as what they offer offensively. Now, Ohio State has, has you know, they, they've got a lot of that, but TCU has a lot of the, the different eye candy, as I so, so to speak, you know, a lot of misdirection stuff. And again, a lot of, you know, four and five wide receivers. And they haven't seen much of that. Probably the closest thing I would say that Georgia saw during the course of the SEC play was maybe Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, and that was it. In that game, now to your point, it sounded like I'm, I'm backing your point here. That was 27 to 13, yeah. and and that was a dead under. But for the most part, I guess what I'm trying to say is, they haven't seen what Sonny Dykes is is going to dial up here. And we saw an interview with Kirby Smart earlier today, and he was like, "Hey, I'm not watching any of the bowl games today." He goes, "Man, we got a lot to prep for," yeah. and so that's I think what makes it you know so intriguing as well too. And I just hope Marco that. You know, we, we don't have a letdown for Monday night because we've seen that before. Usually in the championship games have, have been pretty good, but the semifinals have been dogs. You know, they have not been good. Dog, I don't mean dogs as underdogs, but just not not very entertaining. Somebody gets blown down. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times it's it's both games blown up. Well, we had two fantastic games on Saturday, and, you know, make the case. I think there's no doubt about it. It's been the best college football semifinal that we have ever seen. But uh, I want to real quick before we leave this this topic here. And I brought it up, you know, on, on Friday, and it's the Big Ten. You know, I told you I was anti-Big Ten. Now, granted, Ohio State, yeah, they could have won, should have won. But Michigan, you know, not a fan. The Big Ten has not fared well at all in these bowl games at all. And it just seems like that they are not, you know, prepared to face these teams outside of conference, especially these high-octane offenses, because, you know, 
ran down the schedule who who they played. You know, during the course, you know, the Indiana, Maryland's, uh, Iowa's, uh, you know, Wisconsin down this year, all of it. But they have been atrocious from a bull perspective this season. This is what I'll say to you, and I agree with that point of it. But who ha- who played the game that better prepares them for what they're going to play this week? Georgia playing Ohio State and seeing what Ohio State does offensively. I think was a better prep for them for TCU coming in. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I agree with you. I'm not really saying yeah. that. I, this is more of the what happened to these Big Ten teams on, it, on the grandest of stages, and not just Ohio State and Michigan, uh, but but the other you know, teams that we have, have seen fall flat as well, too. We did. And, and obviously today you saw two more uh, Big Ten teams you know, lose, one get totally embarrassed. Uh, but, you know, again, the, the Purdue was... Right. What we've yeah, cried yeah, about yeah, all yeah, year, yeah, 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 yeah. coaches bailing and players bailing and everything else. It's going to be interesting if TCU is able to stop the run this week. That's yeah. the key to this to this game and to my whole handicap uh, of it. It's not going to be that Big Ten football. It's going to be SEC football, and Georgia is going to try to flex their muscles and dominate the line of scrimmage. And if TCU, and this is again. That's why we have in-game betting. If you're able to watch and understand what you're seeing, you know, are they going to be successful? Then, you know, you can get plays in here. Uh, that'll be a beauty for me as well, having the under, is that, you know, I'll know five to, you know, five to ten minutes into this game if I'm in trouble or not. <laughs> right. Okay. You know, so there's, there's, there are ways to try to get out of some wagers if you made a bad one or take advantage of something of what you're seeing with your eyes. And it's the key to the game is who handles the trenches. Right. All right. Well, looking forward to it. It'll be next Monday night. TCU and Georgia will be talking a lot about it during the course of this week. All right. When we come back, uh, we'll talk about the NFL, what transpired yesterday, as well as what's going to take place in week 18. And then a great game on tap tonight, Monday night football between the Bills and the Bengals. And news about a potential coaching uh, change in Indianapolis. We'll give you some thoughts on that and a whole lot more. TC Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house here on a special Monday edition, New Year's Day edition here at the world famous Superbook inside the Westgate, Las Vegas. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, TC Martin. Back here on this Monday afternoon. Happy New Year to everybody. We are at the Westgate, Las Vegas, our Friday home, traditionally. And, uh, of course, on special events, special occasions, and this is definitely one as well here on New Year's Day. Watching the Rose Bowl. We've got Monday Night Football tonight with the Bengals and the Bills. Uh, Come on by and not only see the show, but uh, hang out here in the sports book. The lovely Beverly serving it up today, doing her thing. Beverly has always got a tray full of cocktails, you know. Tray full of cash, too. They treat Beverly nice. She's great. There it is. Our good friends Jay Cornegay, John Murray, everyone here at the Westgate Las Vegas, the world-famous Superbook. We're here each and every Friday, 2 to 4 p.m., of course. So make sure you come on up this Friday. Our best bet segment uh, will take place like it always does, and uh, we look forward to that. But uh, we are here today celebrating 2023 with uh, Bowl Games Extravaganzas. And like I said, I mentioned the Rose Bowl watching right now. And tonight, Monday Night Football, Marco. Huge one tonight between the Bills 
and the Bengals. And I got a feeling we'll both be invested in that game. Always. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about uh, the NFL. We talked uh, a little bit uh, in the first hour about the Niners and the Raiders, 37-34. San Francisco Trail, 24-14. to uh, Brock Purdy, fantastic. But really, the guy who really got that thing going was Christian McCaffrey. Marco, 121 yards on the ground for McCaffrey, 72 receiving yards. Since he has become a San Francisco 49er, kind of the missing piece. Even though San Francisco has always had dynamic running backs, they can catch balls out of the backfield, can be power runners, McCaffrey does it all. What a fit. And the more that each week goes by, the more that I'm saying it's San Francisco's year to lose this thing. Yeah, there's no question all the success that Brock Purdy's had, he would not have that if he doesn't have a running back in the backfield like Christian McCaffrey. Uh, There's no question that he has been the difference maker for the 49ers, and it gives them so many options that, you know, you got to be concerned about the running game. you got to be concerned about him coming out of the backfield, so you can't drop everybody back into coverage. Uh, It opens up the passing game downfield for Purdy where he's going to get favorable matchups because you got linebackers that got to, you know, respect the run in uh, it just makes that playbook so good for you know Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. So Niners 170 yards rushing yesterday, 284 through the air, uh, 454 total. The Raiders, good account of themselves, 500 total yards yesterday. Again, fifth time they've blown a double-digit lead. Uh, it wasn't Derek Carr. This time it was Jared Stidham, but Stidham had himself a very nice game. He did, but he did have the interception at the end that uh, got San Francisco the ball back in, in, in overtime, went, drove the length of the field for the winner. It was, but uh, that last throw, you can't you got to put that on the offensive line. They did, and that's been the problem for yep. the Raiders all year. He had no time to throw. He uh, he actually hit his hand on the helmet, uh, you know, on his motion uh, from his lineman that just got pushed right back into his face. So, good game for the Raiders. I think San Francisco, after everything that happened this week, might have come in, you know, feeling just a little too confident on the onset. But like you said. Good teams are able to rally back, and that's what they did. Um, you know, I think they are the team to beat. Uh, who else in the NFC, TC, do you feel confident enough to, to say is a, is a team to go? I mean, nobody. Phil- My answer is nobody in the NFC. Philadelphia's got problems right now. Now, it's easy fixed to say, okay, as so, soon as Jalen Hurts is back behind uh, center, that uh, they'll be fine. But Jalen Hurts doesn't play defense, and the defense has shown some problems the last few weeks. The other uh, team to look at, we all know the flaws that the Minnesota Vikings have, mm. and they got undressed yesterday yeah. by the Packers. And, you know, I, <laughs> you hear everybody saying right now, the one team you don't want to face in the playoffs, you don't want to face Aaron Rodgers. Okay, yeah, yeah they're making a run right now, but have you seen the whole body of work this yeah. year? Okay, <laughs> so they're not putting any fear in me. Forget about the NFC South. You know, whoever wins comes out of there is going to be one and done. So, you know, who who do you who else is there? It's San Francisco's to lose. It, it is. It's San Francisco and no one else. And let's let's chill on the on the Philadelphia bandwagon right now to lose to the Saints the way they did yesterday. And, and we talked about it on Friday's show. You know, I I had confidence in Gardner Minshew, 
But again, he's no Jalen Hurts, and man, are they missing Jalen Hurts right now. To throw that interception from their own 10-yard line with a chance to either take the lead or tie the game, they're down 13-10 to 10 with about four minutes to go, and he throws a pick at his own 10-yard line, makes uh, the final score 20-10, to 10, done. But that was 100% on Minshew. And, you know, with the Lane Johnson injury, talked about that on Friday. That is huge. One of the best, you know, offensive tackles in the league. Now, Philly is hurting right now. They're sliding backwards. And if you look at Philly, what they've done over the last six weeks, Marco, it's it's nowhere what they were doing uh, earlier on the first half of the season. Uh, they've committed more penalties now. They have more turnovers. And I worry for Philadelphia. And to me, we are starting to get back to the NFC least. And I know the Giants qualified for the playoffs, but we saw Washington bow out. We saw uh, you know, the Giants aren't going to go anywhere. And... You know, Philadelphia is going to get themselves, you know, home game or, or, or two, uh, depending on what happens. But no guarantee that, that you know, Philly gets that number one seat. Now, granted, they're going to play the Giants this week, and the Giants have nothing to play for. So they'll probably end up winning that game by default. But San Francisco is on fire right now. And, yes, it's San Francisco and no one else for me. And as far as Green Bay goes, I want to talk about that game yesterday. That was a great spot for the Packers. You know, Green Bay was only favored by three at home. We always talk about Kirk Cousins in, in Minnesota just being life and death. I mean, whatever this team's record is now, I've lost track. But, you know, whether it's, you know, 11 and 5, or whatever, the worst 11 and 5 team or 12 and 5, whatever it is, this team scored the first field goal yesterday. They actually blocked a Packer punt, recovered at the one yard line, could not get it in on three cracks, send it, settle for a field goal to go up 3 nothing. The Packers scored the next 41 points. The next 41. How you like me now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, no, the way things are playing out, it is San Francisco and no one else in the NFC. Here's the thing about Philadelphia. We, we're putting it all on Jalen Hurts, but that's just been the last two weeks. The difference for Philadelphia, if you remember, when they went into that Monday night game against Washington, nine games into the season, they only had four turnovers for the entire year. They had the double-digit uh, turnover plus uh, margin. And since that Washington game, they had four turnovers, looking at their games, four against Washington, two against Indianapolis. Then they had it cleaned it up for three games, only had one turnover. But the last two weeks against Dallas, in, uh, they had four and three turnovers. It, it, it's, it's ugly of what they've been doing, and they got to clean that up if they're going to move on and that's the key but the defense has had breakdowns and it's because you're giving they're putting the defense back out on the field for more possessions you're not having the long drives that you had with Jalen Hurts keeping them off the field so it's a combination of a lot of things Jalen Hurts will fix a lot of it but I don't think he's going to fix everything well I'm telling you with Gardner Minshew at, at the helm they were three for 12 and third down yesterday and the Saints only uh, had 11 first downs in the entire game. Each team, 313 total yards. That's it. Uh, it was an ugly game. you got to win those games at home, especially uh, against a team like the Saints. And I know the Saints are, are, are playing some better footballs late, but it's still it's Andy Dalton. And again, a team that you know came came into this uh, game you know with only two losses, the Philadelphia Eagles. You got to play better than that. Uh, downright ugly. Uh, 
talk a little bit about the Patriots, Patriots and the Dolphins. Talk about two, uh, you know, the Dolphins going backwards as well too. Kind of, kind of like Philadelphia, but it, it's it's gotten bad. And I understand Tua's out, but they weren't playing well with Tua at controls. Uh, they lost four in a row with Tua as their quarterback. They lose yesterday, fifth straight game. They are eight and eight. The Patriots win yesterday, eight and eight. Are we going to be talking one week from today about? going back to that Raider-Patriot game on how that game ended. We talked about it, that it could come back to haunt them. They're kind of in the driver's seat right now, but if some things go south for New England, they're going to look back on that last play where they gave the Raiders that game going back you know, two weeks ago. And uh, they did their job yesterday, but they shouldn't even be in this position right now. Yeah. That game yesterday, and we talked Friday when we mentioned about you know Tua being out, and we, and we all said, hey, Teddy Bridgewater is a capable backup. He is. And I, you know, I hate to say it. Jokingly, I said, yeah, but he's only one hit away from being injured again. Right. He has just been so injury prone. He left the game. It was a three or four point game when he when he left the game. So, you know, and then you had to go to, who is it, Skylar Thompson or something? Yeah. <laughs> it, that the pride not, out of K State. Yeah, it's yeah. not uh, it's not a good situation for Miami. Obviously, for New England, you know they are looking at it's going to come down to that you know final game for them to make the playoffs. They have the better the better chance to uh, make the playoffs. But you know, I will be rooting against them because if they lose, you know, and uh, Miami loses next week. There's somebody that sneaks into the playoffs with a win. And now we got your Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. And yeah. They're playing ugly football, but that defense right now, and I know they've played some soft offenses, no question about it. But that defense and TJ Watt and company, they are playing lights out right now. I got no problem with the Steelers right now uh, for two reasons. And you just you hit, you hit one of them TJ Watt and that defense. One of the reasons why I played them, you know, last night. And Kenny Pickett. Penny Kit. Kenny Pickett is getting better and better every week. He doesn't look like the rookie. I mean, made some sound decisions last night, some sound uh, uh, plays, uh, great passing last night. No, I give Kenny Pickett a lot of credit, and this team is playing good football at the right time right now, and Pittsburgh could be a tough out. Uh, Again, you know, defense travels in the playoffs, as we know, home or away. They play, you know, Baltimore, you know, What's Baltimore going to do in the playoffs? They if they don't get Lamar exit, that's yeah. what they're going to do. They're yeah. going to exit Lamar Jackson. You know whether you like him or not, and he, he's hard to watch. Okay, I, I mean, but they it's amazing that they score. They put the graphic up last night. I didn't realize it was that much. There's a ten point difference with him on the field and him and them off. And you say, well, he's a running quarterback. How, where are they scoring the points? Somehow they find ways to score points when yeah. he's there. They're not doing it with Huntley. Yeah. And if they don't get him back, it'll be one and done. And it's going to be a very interesting offseason to see what Baltimore does. I mean, how many times can you franchise tag somebody, uh, you know, to keep it going from not getting that long-term contract? Uh, it'll be interesting. But I wanted to just knock those sunglasses off off him on the sidelines. Says, hey, he's a driver. Did you see those? <laughs> yes, okay. yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Marco D'Angelo in the house uh, with me here today on this Monday at the Westgate Las Vegas at the Superbook. Uh, dogs went eight and six with four outright winners uh, yesterday's uh, action. So again, we, we talked about this last week and the number continues to grow. 114 games now have been decided 
in this NFL season by six points or less. An NFL record. Uh, it's just amazing. And if you're playing dogs, you're making money. You are. And we talk about what games are going to mean something uh, next week. And we talked about what games they move to what mm-hmm. day. I'm a little upset that Kansas City is on the Saturday game. And the reason for that is... I'm glad. You know why? Because now I don't have to go to Allegiant Stadium on Sunday and miss all my action. So I just go to the Raider game and be done and then catch uh, Jacksonville and uh, Tennessee, which eh, not crazy about. So for me, it's good, Marco. Okay, for me, From a selfish standpoint. Okay, for me, as a selfish <laughs> standpoint, as a Steeler fan, yeah. I'm not. Because <laughs> if Kansas City wins and locks up the number one seed, yes. Buffalo doesn't have anything to play for against New England. True. I need Buffalo to beat New England <laughs> and Pittsburgh to win. Well, you just better focus on your bets, okay? Not <laughs> not the emotion next weekend. How's well, that? Well, you know that is, but there's, you know, you still got to have something that, you know, you want to root for, and that's... Uh, uh, he's a fan. He's a fan. Well, the NFL had just released uh, the times of the games. Now, this morning... They did not have the time slated. Remember, the last week of the season, I'll e- yeah. equate this to uh, the World Cup or the the Euros. And uh, when you get to that last uh, group play game, everyone plays at the same time. So the NFL has to do a lot of calculating here. So, uh, you know, they want their drama. And uh, from a, a betting standpoint, that goes into play here as well, too, uh, with, with the bookmakers. They're very, very careful. We, as we talked to, to Jay Cornegay last week about that, he goes, oh, you know, a lot goes into this. So we got to wait and see the schedule. Well, it, it's out now. So the Chiefs and the Raiders have been moved to Saturday, 1.30, standalone game. Chiefs are a nine-point favorite against the Raiders. 5-15, standalone game Saturday night, Tennessee and Jacksonville. That game is for the NFC South. Winner goes on, losers eliminated, but really does not affect anybody else on Sunday as far as wild cards or anything of that nature. So that's what you got on Saturday. Now we go to the 10 o'clock games. All right. Of the games that have meaning, all right, we go to... I'm not even sure Baltimore, Baltimore, Cincinnati is really not going to have any meaning, right? It, it really won't. I mean, Cincinnati is a seven-point favorite. That's a ten o'clock. Cincinnati game. clinched a division they when cl- Baltimore lost. Exactly. So, really, that that is not a marquee game. The Jets, who have been eliminated, Miami needs to win to stay alive. That game is a pick'em. You've got the Patriots and the Bills, which you're talking about. No line here at the Superbook, I believe, right now on that game because the Bills are playing tonight. So we got to take the wait and see approach. All right. Tampa Bay and Atlanta. Tampa Bay's already clinched. So, you know, these 10 o'clock games, Marco, there's really not much to happen here except the Browns and the Steelers, and the Steelers are a three-point favorite. Now, what I would have done is I would have had Pittsburgh and Cleveland on Saturday, not the Kansas City game. This is strictly money for them because they get Kansas City and Mahomes in a standalone game. Let's be honest for what it is because – if Kansas City wins on Saturday, it changes a lot of things for a lot of teams. Buffalo doesn't have anything to play for, and that affects that game. If Pittsburgh plays Cleveland on Saturday night, Pittsburgh, it's a must-win game for them. So there's something to play for, but they don't control their own destiny. So the outcome of that game still keeps everything in play for Sunday. Yeah. That would have been the more logical game to have Saturday. And plus... Pittsburgh-Cleveland's always been a good rivalry. Uh, you know, they're never pretty to watch, and we just got to see that last night. But as much as, as low scoring as that game was last night, you were on the edge of your seat the whole game because 
It yeah. was such a tight game. One mistake could change that whole game. I would have had Pittsburgh play on Saturday, so they don't have to worry about what anybody else is doing. They're playing, and then the two teams that need to win still are in play for Sunday. I think the reason why the NFL did that, though, and uh, what they did, because they didn't want another 125 game. Because remember, there's no 105 games. They're all, the, the 125 slate is 125. There's already they have five of those games. That would be a sixth 125 game. So somebody had to move because obviously not if they would have been you know, on Saturday. No, if the, that's what I'm saying. That's why the, they they moved the Raider game, oh, which okay. was at that time. Okay. The Raiders, the Raider Chief game was in that time slot. So I think they said, hey, we got too many 125 games because they don't have enough West Coast. You know, teams are. So we got you got the Giants and Philly at 125, you know, and then uh, the Commanders and Cowboys, you know, they're playing in Washington, so that game is at 125 as well too, you know. And again, the only reason that the Dallas is maybe in the conversation for a potential number one seed, but you know that's probably not likely going to happen. So, yeah, I think that's why the NFL did did the way they did. So, but you know, it's you know with seven slots in each conference, you know, 14. Teams, uh, you know, making the playoffs, it, there's going to be some imperfection here on how you, how you schedule it. So we go to the 125 games. All right, Rams, Seahawks. Seattle's got something to play for. Six and a half point favorite. The Chargers and Broncos. Uh, Broncos, nothing to play for, but the Chargers positioning. They're favored by three and a half. People are going to look at that as being a low number, but Charger or the uh, Broncos came to play yesterday against. Uh, the, the Chiefs had nearly won, and they definitely covered by only losing 27-24 yesterday. Uh, Niners and Cardinals, nothing really there except the Niners are 14.5-point favorite. The Niners are trying to uh, catch the Eagles, but they're making sure that the Eagles play uh, in that uh, that same time slot, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's what that's going to come down to. Then uh, you've got uh, the Cowboys and the Commanders as well, too. Giants and, uh, and the Eagles. And then the Sunday night game will be the Lions and the Packers. And, of course, it makes a lot of sense because both teams are, are, are fighting for that. And basically the winner's, the, the winner's going to be in. So I can kind of see why the NFL did what they did with this, with this TV scheduling. Do you remember the final game last year? Yes, I do. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's uh, final Well, we thought it was going to be his final game, but it wasn't, right? No, it was the Raiders. Yep. It? it was the Raiders and Chargers playing. If they would have played to a tie, Steelers were out. That's right, because the Steelers played uh, earlier, earlier in, the in the day, and the last game was the Raiders Chargers. Yeah, I should Which know. Is, I was there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and we were. Great. Yeah, Giant Eagle game. My friend is thirteen and a half. Wow. Yes, Eagles favored by thirteen and a half. There it is. There you go. Got fans asking us uh, the lines. So those, those are what the point spreads are coming up. All right, so. Early look ahead here. What do you like for Sunday or Saturday? Well, first we got to wait and see what happens with Buffalo tonight too, because okay. that actually has a you know domino. All right, effect. so then focus maybe on on the NFC side of things yeah. here. The NFC side, you know, the most intriguing game is the last one, mm -hmm. the the Green Bay Detroit. Um, the NFL wants Rodgers. There's no question. <laughs> you you want Rodgers in the playoff? That's a draw. But I'll tell you what, Detroit in that offense right now, that would be fun to watch. But I don't think Detroit on the road is going to be a good playoff scenario for them because right. they're 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 the dome team. We've we've saw the you know two Jared weeks ago Goff, last week yeah, we saw what happened yeah. when on the road they got spanked. And so, the line's four and a half here. But let's remember the first time they played in Detroit, 
16-9 was the score. It was a defensive struggle. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how that happened. Yeah. Because Detroit doesn't have, they're not in defensive struggle. Although they shut down Chicago yesterday. Yeah. But once you make a team. Long term. That was Aaron Rodgers had three three interceptions. Remember yep. that? I remember I was in Houston. I was at I was at Craig Biggio's sports bar watching that that, that Sunday because it was after the Astros had, had, had won. And I'm, I'm watching that game going like, this is an ugly game to watch. <laughs> Name dropping in. Uh, <laughs> I didn't name drop. I, I just said location good, drop. Location good, drop. Okay. I'm, sh- I'm sure. I didn't say were... Craig was there. Yeah. You know, he wasn't. Okay. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> Saw him the night before, though. Yeah. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I'm sure you did. And Jeff Bagwell. Don't forget Dusty, Dusty Baker. I, was, I, was, well, you know, I had yeah, dinner yeah. with him. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Can I we know. quit name dropping and get back to sports? <laughs> this is sports, my friend. Mark Marco brought it up, not me. Okay. I mean, you know, Marco can name drop Jay Schrader now. He heard Marco say, he goes, hey, man, you know, no disrespect to you, TC, but total disrespect to me. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's totally fine. So I'm a little more in awe. Uh, You know, I I said, you know, I don't mind buying dinner for a Super Bowl quarterback, but, Um, you know, radio personality here in Vegas, (laughs) not so much. Not so much. It doesn't have the same draw. Okay, man. Buffalo, Cincinnati tonight. Buffalo... A lot of money on the Bills there. We're up to two and a half here in favor of the visiting team, the Bills. Yeah, well, I got on Buffalo when they were at one. So, you know, again, in you got to prepare yourself for that because when you're looking ahead, if things played out the way they did last night, it made it changes. And that's what you saw the line switch on, you know, Pittsburgh-Baltimore because it did mean something to Pittsburgh. Uh they were still alive in the playoffs. They could have been eliminated in the afternoon. Baltimore losing locked up the division for Cincinnati. They're still going to want to play because, you know, we're still talking about positioning as far as the seeds go. But I like Buffalo. They get the job done tonight, and I hope it's a meaningful game for them next Sunday when they play New England. Weather a factor here at all? Uh, I haven't seen any problems with weather. And And after what everybody played through last week, you know, everybody knows how to handle weather, you know, now. It'll be interesting. And you saw that I, I've, I'm wearing a Buffalo Bills garb today. <laughs> I'm going to keep the theme going. You can expect to see uh, a picture on your phone of some Buffalo wings later. Oh, nice. Okay, so we're, gonna, we're just going to keep it going. I'll order the wings early because... I want to get it, you know, one, at the happy hour price, <laughs> and two, while I still have an appetite in case the game's going wrong. <laughs> Too funny. All right, my man, good luck tonight. We're looking forward to that Monday Night Football game. It's been great here at the Westgate. We'll be back here on Friday. Remember, tune into the show Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m., back in studio uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday, back here at the world-famous Superbook on Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. Hopefully, uh, Jay will join us. He may be here in a walker. Uh, but that, that's quite all right. So Mark will be back here. We look forward to our best bet segment a whole lot more. Enjoy the rest of your holiday night tonight. Enjoy the game tonight, Monday Night Football, the Bills and the Bengals. Come on out here to the Westgate. Enjoy it all. Great viewing, great food options, of course. For Marco D'Angelo and Jay Schrader, Matt Holt and Numchuck back in the studio. TC saying so long. You miss any part of the show, go to the website, check it all out. Check out our preview of the national championship game with Georgia and TCU. That's up on the website with the interviews and everything else, the classic interviews, the current interviews, all there for you. And we'll get back at it again tomorrow. Enjoy tonight. We'll see you tomorrow at 2.
Martin 